Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, where we train others how to speak and teach on biblical creation and how to defend your faith. So if you're ever interested and have an idea you would like to do this, you need to sign up for one of our courses, and you do that by going to our website, creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining.org. Find out all about our training courses. We have a one-day training course, and we even have a five-day training course. Well, with me today is a return visit from Dr. Anthony Silvestro. Thank you for coming back again. Thanks for having me today. We enjoyed having you last time. That was some great interviews, your background and what you do. And, and again, what is your profession? Well, not to scare too many people, but I'm a dentist. That's scary right there. <laughs> I know. Didn't bring any needles with you, did you? I, no, I got okay. a hammer in my back pocket. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a dentist by profession and uh, enjoy doing dentistry. But you also have a creation ministry you're starting. I, I am. And so that creation ministry is Creation Revival. And, you know, in, in just seeing how, how the world is being taken over by evolution and, uh, and how it's getting into the schools. But it's even more than that. We're seeing evolution, the word evolution being used in everything. The evolution of the TV the evolution of, of books, the evolution of everything. Yes. And so it's not a bad word in itself. It's just, it just has some connotations when we talk about origins. Correct. Now, you've just recently written a book. And, and I was fascinated with the book. I was also fascinated with the uh, title that you have. And, and here's the book. Why don't you tell the audience about this book? I'm, I'm, why did you make this kind of cover? It looks like it's 100 years old. And the title is fascinating. So Charles Darwin is a guy that all the evolutionists look up to. And it's one of those things that that's any time that we as creationists are out there trying to refute creation and showing the fallacy of it and how it's undermining the Bible and the gospel itself, that people constantly come back with Charles Darwin and, and believe that everything has come from him. And so one thing that I wanted to do in writing this book is being able to have people pick this book up that are atheists, that are evolutionists, and 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 see something similar about this book. So in other words, their hero is from a book over almost 100, over 100 years ago. Almost 150. 150 years ago, and that's an old book. But tell us about your book. Tell us the title of the book, and you have some pictures on here of the finches. That I was do. something Darwin used. Could you tell us why he wrote this book and why you chose this title? And let me, let me you better read it. You, it's your I'll, book. Read I'll do the title that. Of that book. So everyone's familiar with, with the book on the origin of species, right? That's considered, that's heralded as the, the top book of evolution today. So we decided we wanted to do a little poke in the eye of Darwin. And, and our title of our book is On the Origin of Kinds. What's well, interesting, though, is that On the Origin of Species has a much longer title, right? Yes, it sure does. Most people don't know the full name. They, they don't. And so we actually did a play off of the entire full name. So it's On the Origin of Kinds by Means of Creator God and the Preservation of Souls in the Struggle for Eternity. And so we hope that gets uh, some people riled up and picking this book up and reading it. So your book really has truth in it. It's not the evolution side that we can't observe. Absolutely. You, you put finches on there. Tell us why you put the finches on there, because that was a Darwin thing. It's a Darwin thing, yeah. I mean, I, you wouldn't believe how many times I run across people, whether it's in my dental office. Now, it's fun being a dentist, right, because they have their mouth open and yes. they can't speak back, so I can just constantly pour truth into them. Yes. But uh, even on the streets, the, the first thing people usually object to in creation is they say, what about Darwin's finches? And I say, well, what about them? A couple different beak sizes? Yes. That's not evolution. They're still finches. 
That's, that's a key point. They started as finches and they ended as finches. Yeah. And so we decided to, uh, to, to further this uh, parallel to Darwin's book. We, we took Darwin's actual uh, handwritten or hand-drawn drawings of the finches and put them on the cover of her book. Okay, very good. And after 150 years, what are they still? Finches. They're still finches. Yes. <laughs> still finches. <laughs> yeah, their beaks haven't changed any since then, have they? Not at all. They can vary, but they've stayed the same. So if they wanted to get this book, the, the Origin of Kinds, with the finches on the front, how could they get this book? It's actually very easy. It's www.ontheoriginofkinds.com. And they say can that go there. again. So it's www.ontheoriginofkinds.com. And there they can find out all about this book. And it's good for junior hires and above. And above. And I've gone through much of this book, and it's written in a fascinating way. It's got great information. And you start off with where we really need to start, something called worldview. Worldview. What do we mean by worldview? Well, I'm, I'm going to preface that for a moment here. The reason why we start off with worldviews, and, and, and we'll get into the explanation of this, is because we wanted to write a book on biblical evangelism and how to be able to refute any question or challenge that's thrown our way. Are you telling me this creation thing is about evangelism? That's right. Everything we do in, in apologetics is supposed to be gospel-focused and gospel-centered. Yes, and, and it's a, that is the number one reason we use apologetics is evangelism. Jesus used it. Paul used it. So we should use it. That's right. And so when we, in this book, we take people through a witnessing encounter and we talk about the different types of challenges out there. But in order to understand how to answer questions, we have to go back to the actual foundations and we have to understand what a worldview actually is. Because when we are responding to people and we are talking to people, everything they say, everything they observe is going to be based on a foundation that they have called a worldview. Yes. Okay. And so these worldviews that, that people have are made up of what we call presuppositions, different things, pre-beliefs, things that they have that they already think they know, and they interpret everything they see through those pre-beliefs. Good. Good. In your book, you actually describe these presuppositions, especially the Christian presupposition, which you said started with uh, God exists and his word is true. If we don't believe that, we really don't have a biblical worldview, do we? That's right. And so that must be our starting point. And so we started this book out with that because we want to make sure that anybody who, anyone who's a professing Christian that picks up this book is immediately funneled down into what the actual Christian worldview is. And we, start, we want to start to rip away those layers of, of Christianese that's out there and, and some of the falsehoods. Yes, and, and I want to home in on some of the things there. But uh, you also have quite a background in the creation too. You, you actually attended one of our five-day classes could you tell us a little bit about that? Give us a little commercial here. This is our five-day class, and we're getting ready to run our fourth one now. And This year it's going to be in New Mexico. I know this might date things, but we're going to put it in New Mexico. <laughs> we'll probably have it there again next year. Yeah, well, I, I must tell you, it was is the best course that I've ever taken on creation. And I even walked into this, this course having a good background of creation and still walked away from the course learning so much more. Um, what, this, what this course did is it actually helps to teach you not only creation, but how to go and teach others, which I don't know of any other course out there that does this. No, and we enjoy doing that. We have a lot of our class people who have been to our class now out traveling around the country teaching and speaking on biblical creation. We have many of them have started up apologetics groups and many, many teaching in their own churches today. And now you're out there, and um, hopefully we had a little bit to help with this, and starting up your ministry and uh, getting to travel all over. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's been a tremendous help for me. And even a lot of the information in this book comes right out of your courses. Yes, and it's not like pulling teeth, is it? No, no. <laughs> no I just had to say that. I had to say that. I look foolish. Well, I want to get back to this one piece here. You talked about uh, evangelism and biblical worldview. Uh, there are many Christians out there, and I know some Christian organizations that believe in evolution, fully believe in evolution. How does, if it does, evolution affect the gospel? Wow. So this is really interesting because you run across a lot of Christians who, who somehow believe in an old earth, somehow believe in evolution, and, and yet say that they are Christians. They believe in, in what the gospel says, right? That, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised again three days later in accordance with the scriptures, as we see right out of 1 Corinthians 15. So they say, well, I, I believe that, right? And then, but we have to ask questions about this because what does the gospel actually entail? Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. Mm -hmm. And so that means Jesus had to die. There's a penalty associated with sin. Okay. <clears throat> so you're, you're taking us back to Genesis, are you? I am doing that. <laughs> oh, okay. In other words, what you're saying here, and this is true, and this is the same thing we teach in our courses, the gospel doesn't start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, does it? No, it doesn't. You find the gospel right there in the beginning of Genesis. And in, you know, when, when we see in 1 Corinthians 15 that we've got to go back, Jesus says, according to the scriptures, or yes. you know, through, through Paul, that he's begging us to go back to the scriptures, right? Yes. The Old Testament scriptures. Yes, because the New Testament wasn't written yet. That's right. And so where do we see the first prophecy of the coming Messiah? Right there in the garden in the middle of Genesis 3. Genesis 3.15, where we have the first promise of victory and the first promise of a Savior. So the gospel goes at least back to there. And there's another verse I like to use. Uh, we're familiar with John 3.16. Most people are familiar with John 3.16, for God sent his only begotten son. But what about John 3.17? People tend to miss that one. God did not send his son to the world. <clears throat> John 3.17, God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That goes, plays off what you just said in 1 Corinthians. Why do we need to be saved? That takes us back to Genesis. Takes us back to Genesis. And so we often have to pull back to Genesis 2 and, and Genesis 1 to understand how we created perfectly. And so I've got a little story I want to I share with you here that I think can demonstrate this well. So when I was finishing up on this book, sitting in a, in a coffee shop and uh, doing some last minute typing on my laptop, I was listening in to conversations around me as I always do because I, I like to try to evangelize when I can and share the gospel. And it just so happened that two people next to me were talking about the Bible. And so eventually I piped in. I said, hey, what are you guys doing over there? I, I hear you talking about Christianity. Uh, what do you guys belong to? And, and so it turned out it was a pastor and somebody he was mentoring, somebody new to the church. And so he was telling me a little about what he was doing in his mentoring. And then he says, well, what are you doing here? So I'm actually finishing my book on biblical evangelism and creation apologetics with presuppositional apologetics. And he says, oh, that's great, but... Uh, I just don't think creation is that important. And I said, well, wh what do you mean, sir, that it's not important? He says, well, I think it's a secondary or tertiary issue. Now, I asked him what that was in the Bible. I'm, I'm not sure how God's word, which is full of truth from the beginning to the end, how anything is a secondary or tertiary issue. But I, I asked him more questions about it. And uh, finally, the question I asked, I said, Pastor, I have a question for you. Why did Jesus have to die? And the pastor just looked at me. 
Didn't say a word. Didn't have an answer. Didn't have an answer. And he's a pastor. And he's a pastor of a church. And, and um, here's the problem I see, too. If you don't believe in creation, you can't answer that question. That's right. And that's what I'm finding as I ask this question to pastor after pastor after pastor. And so after I asked that question, he didn't have an answer. He asked me then to rephrase it. I said, okay, it was a must that Jesus die. Why? And he looks at me again, pauses, and then he goes, I know this is like a trick question at all. I said, Pastor, I assure you this is not a trick question. And uh, I ended up opening up my Bible and bringing him back to Genesis and walked him into Genesis 1, showing how God created everything perfectly. Walked him into Genesis 2 and said, look what happens right here. God gave Adam one command. What command did he give him? And, and everybody knows this, right? Most people know this. Do yes. not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil or you should surely die. I said, Pastor, did you ever notice that when we go to the end of Genesis 2, you see this interesting verse just kind of thrown in there. It says, they were naked and not ashamed. Why, why is that put in there? And it's just kind of confusing at the end of Genesis 2, right? But then you flip the page and you go to Genesis 3 and you see what happens. We see the interplay between the serpent and Eve. Mm -hmm. We see that uh, sin entered into the world. And what happened? An immediate spiritual death. They realized they were naked and they were ashamed. And then going further on down to Genesis 3.19, as God's curse in creation, we see the first prophecy of Jesus Christ as, in, as we saw, I talked about in Genesis 3.15. What do we see? From dust you are and to dust you will return. The promise of future physical death. Why, pastor, did Jesus have to die as punishment for our sins? And there's many pastors out there that are not being trained properly in our seminaries, are they? They're not, not being all. taught the whole gospel. Mm -mm. And if they're not taught the whole gospel, they're not preaching the whole gospel. And that means we have people sitting in the pews who don't understand the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a major epidemic we're having in our churches today. And the other problem is we have a lot of pastors who are afraid to teach God's word. Because some people in their audience and pews believe in an old earth. And an old earth does affect the gospel, doesn't it? It changes the whole foundation. Absolutely. Because one of the things we see in Genesis is that, is that death did not enter into the world until after sin, after Adam and Eve's sin. And yet, in an old earth assumption, you have to have millions of years of what? Death. Yes. Among disease and suffering, all kinds of other bad things in this creation. In other words, sin was not the cause of death anymore. And that changes the gospel right there. Changes everything. Yes. And, and why God had to curse this entire creation. And it also says that God called death and decay very good in Genesis 1.31. It changes the character of God. It changes the foundation of the gospel. No wonder we have so many of our youth disinterested in the church today because they're not getting the full truth. They don't understand the gospel. And they're living with contradictions. That's right. And that's what your ministry is about. You're really trying to focus on the youth, aren't you? I am. And i, I got to tell you, you know, I know we spoke about this the other day. The, the number one question being asked of, of Christian um, parachurch ministries as well as in churches is on the question of, of evil. And yet, if you don't understand Genesis properly, how can, you, how can you answer the question of evil? Because evil, if it entered into this world because of Adam and Eve's sin, whose fault is it is? Yeah, that's right. We're, it's ours. Yes, that's exactly right. Are we blaming God for everything? Or are we going to take the blame ourselves, ourselves. called sin? 
Can I do a quick commercial here? Absolutely. We actually, in our five-day training class, this is where we need to get youth pastors trained because you're not going to get fully trained in a lot of our seminaries. You're going to get information that is not biblical called evolutionism or millions and billions of years, which is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. But if you'd like to get your youth pastor trained, or if you pastors would like to get trained, our five-day course will help you with that. You'll get the full gospel. you learn all the apologetics. And certainly you're going to know some things in there because you've studied and you've learned a lot of things. But this issue, creation evolution, is one of the key issues that is causing our children to leave the church today, not have confidence in the Bible. And uh, also, we do a talk now called, Did God Create Evil? We're, our next time, we're going to be doing it in Arizona. We're doing it around the country. It explains the whole issue of what is evil, where did it come from, and why does God allow evil to continue if we call him good? We answer those questions so the, the atheists can understand it and we as Christians can understand it. So that's what our ministries are doing there. Now, you've got a lot of great stories in this book. This is what makes it so good. Uh, again, let's get the title of the book out there. Uh, I just love it. And again, the way you designed this thing, it looks like it's 100 years old. But it just came out just, what was it, this month? Just a couple months ago. Just a couple months ago, right. Yeah. And the title is a playoff of Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of Species. And what's the full title? So the full title of Darwin's book is On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. In other yep. words, it sounds kind of racist, the doesn't it, for the life. full title. That's why they don't give the full title in the classroom, because it sounds very racist. But your title does not sound racist. Again, the title of the book. On the Origin of Kinds, by Means of Creator God and the Preservation of Souls in the Struggle for Eternity. Wow, what a title. And it's not hard to read, full of great stories, real stories that you have encountered and a lot of good meat in there for information. Uh, tell us about some of the titles, some of the things you talk about in the book. You talked about a worldview. Yeah, so we, we, wanted, we wanted to make sure that we used biblical evangelism as the foundation of this. Because again, apologetics is all about getting to the gospel as quickly as we possibly can in witnessing encounters. And so what we do is we have, we walk through the Christian worldview, what is it? We then compare it to the Christian worldview compared to the evolutionary worldview, which is the only other means of origins and we show how first biblically it's wrong, and then we show scientifically how it couldn't have happened. Um, we walk through that, we walk through Genesis expositorily, and then we get into what actually is a gospel. We have an entire chapter on the gospel. We have an entire chapter on what is biblical repentance. And then we walk into apologetics. What a great book, a great book for teens to get a full understanding, and, we, and it's a book that will help us stop uh, this attrition we have from our youth from the church or these contradictions they're having and living with in the church. But uh, I, there's another fascinating story you have there. And uh, it's a lady you met in church. Tell us about that one. That's right. Well, see, and this goes back to why we started the book with the first chapter of, of Christian worldview. What is the Christian worldview? Because we must believe that God exists and he has spoken. His entire word is true from beginning to end. So I was in a church and I was speaking. I had just gotten done speaking on a, on a creation versus evolution talk. And I always open it up to question and answers. I have no problem staying for as long as it takes after service to answer every last question that there is there. And so a lady stands up when I got done and she asked me the question, don't you think God could have used evolution? And I said, no. <laughs> she says, well, why not? And I said, well, 
because the Bible's very clear, as I said earlier. God created everything to reproduce after its own kinds. Created everything after its own kinds. So we don't see a kind changing into another kind. And then came the big one. She asked, well, don't you think the Bible has contradictions and errors in it? Oh, boy. In other words, now it comes to, and what was your follow-on to that one? You asked her if she's a Christian? Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I was kind of bold, you know. I, I had to quickly look at the pastor after I said this, but I, I said, ma'am, are you saved? And then she says, well, yes. And then I go, well, how do you know? And this is the problem, the logical conclusion. If we look at any part of the Bible and think that there could be errors in it, we can't trust any of it. That's right. In other words, God's not really sovereign anymore, is he? That's right. If we can't trust the first three chapters of Genesis as it's stated there, then how can we trust anything else? As we can't believe the miracle he gave us and called creation, then what about the burning bush? Was it really something? Was it just something somebody fabricated? What about Jesus walking on water, feeding the 5,000? Which miracles do we believe or not? And one I like to go to, what about Jesus' resurrection? How can somebody be dead for three days and come back to life? Maybe he really wasn't dead, and we're really still dead in our sins. This is the, what you just said, the logical conclusion, and this is the problem we have in the church. The yep. church is making it hard for people to understand God's real word, because if we don't believe it, how can we ask anybody else to believe it? That's right. That's the danger out there. So we have a real issue there with too many people afraid to teach God's Word. We're afraid because most scientists believe in billions of years in evolution. Well, there are many scientists out there that believe in a literal six-day creation. Why don't we trust them? Is it because they take the Bible literally in Genesis? See, we're throwing our foundation away. Now, again, uh, you're from Ohio, and you live near Cleveland, right? Near Cleveland, Ohio. So if somebody wanted to contact you, they could go through this web, the website for the book? or They could go through this website, or they could get a hold of me at www.creationrevival.com, which will be up real soon, or my email address, which is creationrevival at gmail.com. And they can have you come speak in their churches or schools or organizations? Or schools, organizations, youth groups, chapel service for Christian schools. And, you have a, and what makes you really good at what you do, you have all these wonderful stories, real stories, not made-up stories, not some, somebody else did. You've walked this all the way through and talked to people. And you've that's got right. that in your book here, some of those. And that's also what makes the book fascinating. It's real-life stories with pastors and lay people and what they've gone through. Even have a few simulated conversations laid out there for us. So it's an excellent book to get. The Origin of Kinds, not the Origin of Species. <laughs> Wonderful book for laying a foundation for your biblical truth that you want to have. So you too can go out there and be an evangelist and break down those strongholds as the Bible commands us to do. Break down all strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So again, how to get a hold of you to get you in their church. So you can get a hold of me again, creationrevival at gmail.com, or you can, you can request me as a speaker through the website, www.ontheorigineofkinds.com. Yeah, I highly recommend this book. Easy to read, great value, good information. Again, I'm Mike Riddle from Creation Training Initiative. This is Anthony Silvestro from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. And we're, and, uh, we're again, both have creation ministries, as many other people do out there. 
There's many resources on the web you can get for free. If you'd like to contact us at Creation Training Initiative, you can go to our website. You'll see many of the things we're doing out there. They're all about our five-day training class. You'd like to get to that. Or one of our one-day training classes that we have, we will come to your location and do that. Or if you'd like to get us through email, you can email us at info, that's I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. That's how you can get us by email or go to our website. And again, one more time, your website and how to get a hold of this book. Sure. To get a hold of this book, go to www.ontheorigineofkinds.com. And to get a hold of me, creationrevival at gmail.com. Well, this has been wonderful. I just couldn't wait to get you on. The first time I looked at that book and said, why did you find that book? It looks so old, but it just came out. What a wonderful idea there. I, I love it. Uh, showing that Darwin uh, really was wrong. He was wrong. And uh, we need to get that to our youth. And we do rely on pastors out there, youth pastors and Sunday school teachers, Christian school teachers. You're our army out there to make sure this next generation can stand firm on the truth of God's word. Thank you very much. Again, Mike Riddle from Creation Radio and TV, our ministry, Creation Training Initiative. God bless all of you. Our online videos are free for anyone to view or download. However, it does take finances to continue producing these programs. If these lessons have been helpful, you might consider supporting the ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can mail a check to CTI, Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho 83616. Or you can go to our website, creationtraining.org, and make your donations that way. Your donations of $20, $100, or more will enable us to continue to share the good news of God's Word worldwide. As it states in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you and God bless.